Hi, my name is Ramila, and this is Secret Life of Sibs. Millions of people across the world have special needs that affect their daily lives. We often hear about their parents' experiences, but we rarely hear about the people that grew alongside them, the siblings that are fundamentally changed by this experience. I'm one of those siblings, and I hope to share the stories of many more. Our guest today is Brandon Meddy, an actuarial analyst in Minnesota. Okay, so hi, Brandon. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, so just to start off as usual, um, tell us about yourself, uh, your sibling, what you're up to right now, anything you'd like to share. Yeah, so I'm originally from uh, Rosemount, Minnesota, which is just a little bit south of the Twin Cities. Um, I grew up with both my parents and two sisters, Belle and Brooke, um, who are in their late teens. Um, my sister, Belle, was diagnosed with Creb A disease when she was very young, um, which I know a lot of people probably haven't heard of because it's a relatively rare uh, disease, but um, it falls into the category of a uh, leukodystrophy, which is basically the deterioration of white matter within the brain. Um, and it's actually from, it results from the loss of the protective covering or the myelin sheath around the nerve cells within the brain. Um, and Bell got a stem cell transplant from a donor, um, from one of the three donor banks at the time, um, when she was just a couple of years old and yeah, it saved her life and got her to be with us where we're at now. And, um, as for me, I currently work as an actuarial analyst at Anthem Inc. Um, in Minnesota. Um, live with my girlfriend Alex and our ten-month-old Red Lab Millie. <laughs> First of all, I love that. I, I would love to see your dog one day. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, thank you for sharing about um, your sister's diagnosis. So you said Bell. So I, yeah, I mean, as a neuroscience major, I. I hadn't heard about that disease and I took a course called diseases and disorders of the nervous system Um, is just out of curiosity. Are stem cell transplants like commonplace now to treat it? Or was that just a kind of experimental thing that you guys decided to do? Um, There's no really known surefire treatment of it. Um, Basically the diagnosis is as it sits 20 years ago up to right now, um, basically a death sentence. Um, my sister's situation is one of a handful across the United States where a stem cell transplant was able to, to actually save her life. Um, and I, that's the kind of the direction that they push people, um, initially from diagnosis, from what I understand, um, is doctors will say, take your kids home, love them for the next six to eight months and that's it. Um, and my parents actually had to do a lot of pushing, um, and they'll go and see a lot of different specialists to be able to have the option to, to try a a transplant. Um, and luckily both my parents were nurses at the time, so they were pretty well connected within the medical world and able to reach out to some of their contacts and, uh, and then, yeah, get, get the, get everything hooked up. And, um, originally they were going to go out to Duke because there were two places in the U.S. that would do it, and it was the University of Minnesota and then Duke. Um, and they had 
flights scheduled and everything, and they were going to go out there. And then they were able to get in contact with a neurologist at the University of Minnesota who uh, who was able to get them in. And from diagnosis to treatment, I think she was at the time the fastest um, Crebe case to to move through the whole process. Um, it really only took like three to five months. I, I think <laughs> that's a, that's a rough, rough timeline. I, I don't have the numbers for sure, but. <laughs> but wow. I mean, it's, it's really incredible that your parents were able to advocate for her. And um, even when, even in the face of such a, you know, basically a death sentence, like you said, um, mm-hmm. how, how old were you when your sister was diagnosed and go and going through all of the treatments? Yeah, I was like, six years old. So just starting out in, uh, in kindergarten. Um, my mom, actually, it's a funny story. She had been so stressed out from everything. She finally went and got a massage one day just to de-stress. And, um, I was at home with my great aunt and it was the day that I lost my first tooth and I refused to go to school until I, you know, until the tooth came out for whatever reason. And, um, my mom gets out of this massage with like 10 missed calls from my aunt and, um, and then comes home and says, no, I just want to, I just want to see your tooth and just pulls it right out of my mouth. So like, that's, those are the types of memories that I have of it. I don't really remember being in the hospital or being, um, you know, surrounded by medical equipment or all of that kind of stuff. And I don't know if it's so much that my parents sheltered me from it as much as like, I don't know, maybe it's, it's, my own defense mechanism or something. I don't know. But yeah, it was just knowing that my sister was very sick and that she was going to be in the hospital for a few months and that I would go visit her, you know, whenever. Um, and knowing that my parents would trade off nights at home versus nights in the hospital. And yeah, it was, I, I don't know. I, I remember the, the weird stuff about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, at, at that age, what else would you remember? Right. Um, right. But as you got older, did your involvement change? Were you um, less, I guess, shielded or? I mean, yeah, it it kind of turned into, I mean, I, I think being a sibling of, especially if you're an older sibling, of somebody that, um, you know, doesn't, because like my sister doesn't have a lot of her motor function. Um, she can talk, but it's, it's very slowed. Um, but her neurological function is all there. It's just that whatever part of her brain that controls the motor, um, has, you know, something going on with it. So, um, you know, she's able to hold a conversation and everything, but it, it turned into, you know, mom and dad are busy. So I need to help her with, she needs to take her medicine. All right, we'll get the medicine out of the counter and, you know, help get her a, get her a drink and a straw and everything and, you know, help give her the medicine. And then, you know, you get to the age where you're early teens, well, mom and dad are going to go out on date night. So you're, you're in charge of, you know, your two siblings. And it's just like normal babysitting. It's just that you got to bring food to your sister and help her eat instead of making it and then chilling on the couch. So that's, that's how I got more involved. And then, you know, as you get older and you mature more, you like my sister, a few years ago had spinal fusion surgery um, and knowing that it was a six hour long procedure and that it was like, you know, it, a very successful procedure historically, but at the same time, 
I'm at that age in my late teens where I'm going to worry about it and I'm going to worry about her. Um, and that's actually where I found the, um, the SIP 20 group, um, was, I was like, you know what, I, I need somebody to vent to or somebody that that's had these experiences before, um, and where I found the group and that group actually really, really helped through that time. Yeah. Like for a lot of us in SIP 20, I think that came, you know, we found it at a time when we really did need it. Um, which is really nice. And, you know, you mentioned you had, you know, you have two sisters, so, Mm -hmm. uh, Brooke is your other sister. So, um, yeah, she's the baby. (laughs) Oh, she's the baby. Okay. Yeah. Does she, you know, do you have any insight on her perspective on things? Is she just, you know, regular sister relationship with, with Belle or? I think for the most part, I mean, we've got, you know, your typical sibling rivalries where Brooke and I will gang up on Belle for something or or vice versa. And, you know, they'll pull a prank on me or whatever. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Brooke actually also has had her own issues with stuff. I mean, she had her large intestine removed a bit ago um, from, she had some severe ulcerative colitis at a really young age. Um, So yeah, it's kind of like, it's, it's seeing both of them being like, wow, like I'm the only one without stuff going on. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, I've tried to be kind of the, the stable child, if that makes sense. I mean, not only for like my parents, but for them too, to, to know that, you know, they can come and talk to me about stuff or, um, or if they've got, you know, whatever going on that it's okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And has that affected you at all? I know a lot of siblings, um, we kind of, we kind of impose it on ourselves to be, to be kind of the pillar um, of like our household, to be like someone who your parents could like look to for stability and um and for our siblings too right so but again that takes a toll on us so have you experienced that yeah absolutely I mean I had it was right around the time that I found the group and my sister's spinal surgery um and actually kind of you know reoccurring but I, I really struggled with guilt where you know I'd I'd say why wasn't it me why do I get to be the one that's normal, you know, air quotes normal, because I've got my own <laughs> idiosyncrasies, but, um, you know, there is, because um, it's a it's a recessive gene disorder, so it was one in four chance that I got the same thing. Um, so it's like, why, why wasn't it me? Why does she have to go through life being in a wheelchair, being not able to do a lot of the things that she wants to do for herself while I can get up and move freely and, and do all of these things that I enjoy doing. And, and seeing that sentiment reflected in through others in, in that sub 20 group um, really kind of helped me to, to rationalize it and feel like, you know, there's other people going through this and seeing just some of the comments and some of the posts of you know it's not your fault you didn't choose this they didn't choose this it's not there's nothing that you can do other than live your life and help them to live theirs and to you know make the best out of everything that you have and you know I I still feel bad about it sometimes but I just go back to that like 
you gotta you gotta live your life as best as you can and help them to live theirs yeah i think what you're describing it almost sounds like survivor's guilt right yep um you know like why not me right why why and there is there is no answer to that (laughs) um yep but it's something that you you know you can't help thinking um but in describing um bell and how uh am i pronouncing this right is it crab wait sorry say that again crebe 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 okay um i know it's spelled k-r-a-b-b-e but i wasn't sure how to pronounce it okay yeah and some people spell with a c some people spell with a k like that's how niche it is where it doesn't (laughs) even have like a a definitive spelling all the time um but yeah, so her crabby, the way that it affects her, um, you said it's primarily motor um, and her speech is a little bit slower, but cognitively she's, I guess, quote unquote, normal. Uh, yep. So you said you have like a very typical sibling relationship with mm-hmm. her. You're, are, have you ever spoken to her about stuff that you you go through or, you know, how you feel about certain things? I not really um i mean it's more of a those are more one-way conversations of her to me talking about you know stuff that she's struggling with um and i think it's it's really hard for her being so bright because i mean she's smart she you know graduated high school with almost all a's and um, is halfway through getting her her college degree and yeah yeah um but I think it's hard for her to, to see all these things and process everything in real time and not be able to physically react in real time or to, to give response in real time. So it's a lot of it's her telling me, you know, I'm really struggling with, um, with a big thing for her actually is how people treat her. Um, like at family gatherings in the past, we've had uh, certain relatives that would talk to her like she was a child when she's, you know, when she was like 15 years old, it's like, no, she's not five. She can understand what you're saying. And she can, she can, <laughs> she'll usually give some smart aleck remark after they leave. <laughs> As she um, should. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's just the type of person that she is. She loves to crack jokes. Um, her and my dad have a very special relationship where she'll call him a bunch of names and he'll just kind of retort back to her. And amazing. And it's, it's hilarious to watch. It really is. Um, but yeah, I mean, she, she does a good job communicating when, when she's not doing great, but I just, I haven't really felt, I don't know if the need is the right word, but I guess I haven't had the desire to to talk to her about how I feel about all of it, because I mean, it's like, it goes back to that pillar where, you know, I don't, I don't know if I want her to see that any of her situation has been bothering me, if that makes sense. And I think that's also like the older sibling um, yep. in you, maybe, right? Like, so y- you want to sh- protect, <laughs> you want to shield. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. I also, you know, I know that you're not, um, you know, you're working, you, I assume, don't live with your siblings Correct. Um, anymore. How was moving out? Was that like a, like a big change? Was that, were there any... Um, like emotions or like going along with that? Yeah. I mean, college was hard um, for, you know, it's, it's every normal reason that moving away for college is hard. 
on top of, wow, I'm not going to be there to help out with my sister anymore. <laughs> um, which in and of itself brings, and it probably shouldn't, but brings guilt. Um, brings like a, like, you know, I wonder how they're going to get along without me. And obviously they've done fine. So um, I don't, I don't feel too bad anymore, but, um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they've, they've done good without me. And that's kind of like how, how I measure myself, I guess, where if they needed me to, to go and help out with anything or to, um, I mean, they've had me come over and watch the house and, and they've got two dogs as well. And, you know, watch the dogs. They asked me to, if they needed me to come and hang out with my sister. Sure. I mean, it's not, it's not like I can't be there. It's just that, you know, it's good to know that they're doing just fine without me being there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely have felt that guilt. I moving away for college, um, many States away was definitely, it was nerve wracking for again, like the usual, like I was so homesick my first semester. <laughs> uh, it, right. it's a transition for everyone. Uh, and then on top of that, I was like, well, like my brother should be here with me. Like I'm a twin. So, um, it was so weird to be away out of school for theoretically, like if he were, you know, neurotypical, then he would have also been at college somewhere. Right. Um, right. So yeah, that level of guilt, I feel like I've been in college for three years and it's still there, but and I, I, I don't think that emotion ever really goes away. Like it's always there in some form. I feel like. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was interesting even just going to look at colleges because um, for some of them, I would just go with, with one of my parents and for other ones, the whole family would go and we'd make a trip out of it. And you'd be amazed at how many restaurants in college towns are not wheelchair accessible. And it 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 doesn't put a big damper on it, but at the same time, it's like, well, if I go here and my family comes to town, I know we'll never be able to go to this restaurant. So it's just like kind of one more box that some places just don't check yeah I think the way that um you see like especially um I think with a physical disability accessibility is such even a lot of college campuses my college campus I know is a nightmare to maneuver with we we have a lot of students who um are wheelchair users they just recently wrote an article speaking out about how uh inaccessible our campus is and it's and wow. I feel like it's not something that a lot of people who aren't uh, wheelchair users um, or aren't like, you know, mobility aid users even think about. But I think as siblings, like you as a sibling clearly think about it naturally, right? Their family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's just like when you see somebody parked in one of the handicapped parking spots and there's no license plate, there's no tag that's in the in the window or it's like, really, you know. I get nobody's probably using that right now, but what if somebody needed to? And like, we've got one of the vans that has a ramp that comes out to the side. and It's amazing how many um, just even parking lots don't have the accessible spaces for you to be able to put a ramp out of your door. Like, and I can, I can only imagine with historical colleges and stuff that, you know, want to preserve a lot of the beautiful mm -hmm. architecture and everything, but that doesn't exactly go great with not having ramps and not having um, elevators up to every floor and things like that. Theoretically, accessibility should trump uh, architecture preserving. 
<laughs> in my yeah. opinion. There's some might say differently. But yeah, um, another thing I wanted to ask. So I know you said that you found Sub20. You said in your teens, right? Late teens. I was in school, I think. Okay. Um, so almost 20-ish. I don't know. <laughs> but um, prior to that, did you ever, you know, have anyone that you talked about stuff with? Or was it always just like, hey, this is how it is. Like, I deal with it, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure that if I thought at the time that I needed it, that my parents could have set me up with a counselor or um, or somebody objective to talk to. But um, really, I just, I would talk to my mom a lot about stuff that I was feeling. And she was really awesome just with how she dealt with everything because and it's only recently that I've thought about kind of what was on her plate because I mean she's dealing with all the same stuff that I'm dealing with plus she's got me having a mental breakdown and trying to tell everything to her so I mean she was she was awesome through every every episode that I might have had where I really struggled with anything so yeah I I probably could have talked to other people and I probably still could now (laughs) but I just I, I never really felt that need to to reach out and talk to talk to anybody um I know that sometimes it is a bit harder for men to open up because Mm -hmm. you know toxic masculinity is still very much a thing and I think even among friend groups correct me if I'm wrong but even among like friends like it's hard to open up about things that involve emotions (laughs) basically I don't know if you've right felt that way yeah, I mean, my friends are great, and I don't know, it's it's taken a couple of late weekend evenings together mm-hmm. um, for me to for me to open up to them about, you know, stuff that I kind of pack away, but I mean, they, in those times, they were great, and I'm sure that, you know, if I needed to, I could, I could talk to any one of them about all of it, but I mean, yeah, you're right, it's not it's not exactly on the forefront of all of our minds when we get together to hang out or, or when we even chat randomly. Yeah. I just, I, I wanted to ask, cause I know that I, I've talked to a lot of female uh, siblings uh, on the podcast and mm-hmm. yeah, just wondering if it was different. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I wanted to ask again, the two questions that I ask everyone on this podcast so the first of which is what is one thing that you wish people knew about life as a sibling to a special needs person so I guess the short answer to that question would be I wish everything was like um, how it is at Disney and we've been to Disney twice once was for my sister's make-a-wish trip um, and the other one Brooke was going down there to do um, some dance performance and it was never a question of which rides or which um, exhibits that you get to see. It was, how are we going to make it so that you can see all of these pieces? Um, and I, I really wish that the world worked a little bit more like that. Cause I mean, these, you know, our, our siblings are, are people, they have personalities and wants. Um, and I mean, my sister wants to be treated appropriately. Um, it's like, you know, like the, the family gathering thing where, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm almost 20 years old. Talk to me like I'm an adult and same thing at, you know, theme parks, movie theaters, uh, going out in public in general, 
can be a nightmare because people will cut you off. It's, it's almost like traffic, but you're in a wheelchair and you're trying to walk. People cut you off. They get in your way. They just ignore you and treat you like you're not there, like you're not a person. And that gets really frustrating for, for them, but also for us as siblings, because I mean, half the time we go into public and she tells me like, you're going to drive me because I don't want to have to deal with all these people. And, you know, if it could be more like, I, I don't know, if more people kind of looked out for, for people that were disadvantaged in that way, um, you know, I think it would be a lot easier for, for my siblings and for myself and for everybody to kind of enjoy life. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a beautiful point. It's very true. If people just thought about it a little bit more, people are just bit more right. cognizant, right? Um, well, okay. And then the second question uh, is, what is one piece of advice that you'd give to someone else growing up in a family like yours? Um, so I guess I'll break this down kind of into two parts. Um, the first being kind of advice from my younger self. Um, and I would tell myself probably not to, don't get caught up in the amount of time or effort that your parents have to give your sibling. I mean, they have needs and, you know, and, and they need to be cared to and know that your parents would love to spend time with each of their kids equally and to, to have, you know, that time to spend with everybody and know that your sibling wants just as much as you to, to be able to uh, do whatever they want to do. Um, but instead think about, you know, the great memories that you have with your parents and with your siblings and, and think about making the most of the time that you do get to spend with them. Um, and how that time is, you know, even more special because you might not get to have it all the time. And then the second part for people growing up with a disabled sibling, uh, you know, don't be afraid to talk to somebody if you're not happy. I mean, I had my mom and she was awesome, but, you know, it's not always easy being the sibling of, um, of, you know, a person with a disability. And, and that kind of becomes a label. It's, you know, you're, Bell's sibling, you're not Brandon, but you know, you got to be who you are regardless of who your sibling is. And, uh, and don't be afraid to stand up for your sibling. Uh, like I said, you know, there's times in public where we get cut off in a crowd or um, people won't let you get to your special handicap spot at the sporting event. And, you know, it's not too much to tap somebody on the shoulder and just say, excuse me, can we get past you. I mean, most people don't even realize that they're in the way. And for the most part, people will um, happily move aside and let you do whatever you got to do. But, you know, it's, it's never a bad thing to be an advocate for, uh, for those who can't advocate for themselves. Yeah, I think the advice to your to your younger self is very something that a lot of a lot of us could have taken. <laughs> um our mm -hmm. parents are stretched a million different ways and it's so easy to take it personally when you're a kid. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, they're, they're really trying, you know, most of the time they're really trying. But again, as a kid, you just want your parents, right? <laughs> right. Well, and then you get frustrated with your sibling and then, you know, you look back on it and it's a very humbling experience to think about, I mean, she can't move. 
all she can do is ask for help for whatever she needs. And it's like, if I was in that situation, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd want attention too, because I need something done for me. And yeah, it's to, to think about taking a day in her shoes is it's, it's a very humbling thought. Yeah. And it's no one's fault, right? Like none of it is anyone's fault. Like Belle deserves attention and needs attention and you deserve and need attention and parents are trying to make everyone happy. And, you know, there's always going to be things that fall by the wayside and feelings that are hurt. But like you said, at the end of the day, like the best you can do is like talk to someone, like advocate for not only yourself, but also your sibling if, you know, they want and need that. So thank you for sharing all of that, Brandon. I learned a lot and thank you for sharing about Brooke and Belle. I love the bees. Again, I <laughs> there was um there were a triplet of K names earlier on <laughs> on an earlier episode and now there's three Bs. So love it. Yeah, I had the opportunity to name Belle. Um I was given two names by my parents and like, oh which one do you like more? So she was originally Isabel. Okay. But she decided she didn't like me very much, so she was going to go by Belle. <laughs> I I think it really works. <laughs> yeah, the three Bs. <laughs> yes. It's always the alliteration. <laughs> yes, it, it works every time. Well, Brendan, again, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been fantastic. Thank you for taking the time to peek into the secret life of Sibs with me and our guest, Brandon. If you're a sibling, we hope you know that you're not alone. And if you're not a sibling, we hope you got to learn about a new perspective. Go ahead and follow to turn on notifications for upcoming episodes and look to the description box for a list of resources specifically for siblings. Welcome to the secret life and see you next time.